Turn your Bibles, please, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'd like to begin to read in verse 18, please. James chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive of meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, it's with great honor that we come tonight just to handle thy word, and study thy word together, and be with one another in this place. And I pray, dear God, that you'll give us the wisdom of the Holy Spirit now in these next few moments to understand what each one of us needs from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been watching on TV, and I know you all have quite a bit about California and, and New York and these different places, but California, first thing I saw, the first reaction that I got from what I saw, I got mad. That's all these homeless people out there in the streets shooting up with all... I can't fathom a city giving needles out for people to take drugs with. That just blows my mind. And it, But then the second thought, I got to feeling sorry for them, and then I got to praying for them. And then and I, next question I was, what's wrong? What What is causing this stuff? I'd like to read you a little something I found today. I was reading behind a, a famous preacher, and I love to read his sermons. And some years ago, a famous preacher was holding a meeting in one of the largest cities in the country. His host was a policeman of that city. They passed a new building housing complex. Just two years old. The officer said, see there? That building, there are slums. The people have kicked holes in the walls torn out the fixtures and sold them. They use the bathtub to store junk in. They fling garbage out the windows. It wouldn't be safe for you or not to go in there. The pastor said the authorities had made one simple mistake. They had changed the home but not the hearts of the slum dwellers. And that's true. The world theory is if we change a person's environment, we will change the person. That failed in the Garden of Eden. So we know that that's not true. Now, here in James chapter 1, I want to draw your attention, please, to verse 18. 
of His own will begetting us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Then verse 19 begins off with the word wherefore. In other words, because we're saved by the word of truth, verse 19 through 21 shows the importance of cultivating those dispensations which are most favorable in realizing the saving power of the word. Now, if we rightly receive the word, we must have four things. Number one, verse 19 says we should have a quick ear, be swift to hear. This word, this refers to the accusation of the gospel. Knowledge, whether it be by reading or whether it be by hearing. In other words, for direct spiritual instruction, where to go to the Bible rather than other books about the Bible. We need to hear God speak to us directly from His Word. We should also be swift to hear the oral proclamation of the gospel. Romans 10:17, faith come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, we should be anxious to hear a godly preacher proclaim the Word of God, saying that we ought to be anxious just to read the Word of God. Now, if you rightly receive the Word, number two, then we must have a cautious tongue, slow to speak, verse 19. Notice how God sets these four things in successive order. First comes swift to hear, then the exhortation to be slow to speak naturally follows swift to hear because a person who is exceeding fond of hearing themselves speak will never be really a good listener. Now, this is a good rule just in everyday living. But here James is speaking of the declaration of the gospel, the word of truth. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, Exhort one another daily. Uh, Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. So uh, we under a godly obligation to exhort one another and to speak often one to another about Christ. Then James says, slow to speak, meaning we are to weigh our words well and realize the responsibility is ours when we do proclaim the gospel. Be careful what you say. Now, the First Timothy 3, 6 says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Now, the word novice means a beginner. James says if you're a beginner, a new convert, one that has not been saved long, one that has not been taught long, you best be quiet then and listen rather than open your mouth and speak wrongly of the gospel. I think that one is, is haste to speak. I'm talking about saved people now. One is hasty to speak in the gospel say, say for the gospel's sake, not knowing what he's talking about, does more detriment than somebody that don't speak at all. And uh, so we're not to be novice. We're to learn of the Word of God. James says if you're a beginner, a new convert then, one that's not been taught long, then uh, don't use the gospel wrongly. If we would rightly receive the word of truth, number three, we must have a calm temper, slow to wrath. Verse 19, 
Why? Because of verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the right of God. Other words, uh, much speaking tempts to passionate speaking. Everybody knows what is meant by the heat of debate. James says, at all times we ought to be slow to wrath. Now, I'm glad God seen fit to put slow to wrath here, rather than no wrath at all. There are certain things we are to get downright mad about, such as abortion, and we could go on and name a whole lot of things that people talk about today, and, and uh, I'm going to tell you the truth, I get mad about them. Amen? It doesn't say don't have any wrath at all. It just says be slow to come to wrath. I read an article somewhere the other day when it said there are more laws to protect uh, sea turtles than there are to protect human babies. That ought to make us mad. Amen? We ought to get angry about it. So, but be sure you're mad at the right thing. The devil is blind, uh, blind to people, to the truth, if you don't. When it comes to scripture subjects, we're to guard against a wrestle of temper. The preacher should never threaten, and the, the preacher should threaten only. He shouldn't threaten, but he should warn only in love and tenderness. The hearer should not uh, listen with a spirit of disposition to find fault or to make petty criticisms either. Now, or to try to trap and confuse a complex and quarrel with the truth when it comes to the hearer in practical form. Because an angry heart would destroy edification of the word of truth. Now here's what I mean. Scolding from the pulpit will not work the rights of God in the hearts of the hearers. Now I, I, I believe the answer to man's problem today is the same as it's always been. It's the gospel. Now, I came up from a very poor family. God has blessed me on every side. Today, I thank God for everything I got. Amen. And I know you do too. And I know most of you have come up through it a hard way. And we've come up through poor families. But my daddy taught me something, and I learned something early. Work for what you get. Amen. You don't deserve my... I was never taught that I deserved anything. I had to earn it. And, and that's, that's not bad. That's good. And, and when you teach people that, they'll get out and work for what they got instead of want what somebody else has got. And I, I never will forget, a man told me years ago, he said, you better remember this young man. If you've got some money, there's somebody out there trying to get it from you. And that's the truth. There's somebody always out there trying to get it from you. Now, when you think about this thing of people being lazy and wanting everything given to them and, and not doing anything for themselves, and what are we going to do about it? There's one answer to it. You can't give them a new home and change them. I've seen it tried. Me and my daddy, there was a man we called him... Uh, uh, Abraham, I think what we call anyhow, the one that had so many youngins in the Bible. Can't even think of the one I'm trying to say now, but we called him that name all the time. He had a wife and nine children. He lived down the street from us in a little wood shack with a wood with a dirt floor in it. And and over in Suffer Springs years ago. And uh, 
me and my daddy, we got feeling sorry for him. We got uh, Mr. Schwartz, which owned the concrete place and block plant. He gave us the blocks and everything. We built him a house and gave it to him. We built him a nice little house. It wasn't very big, but at least he had a floor in it and a roof on his head and electricity and everything in it, and we literally gave it to him. And I never will forget, I went down to his house. I'd been casting it and got a whole bunch of tub full of mullet. And I went down to his house and I said, Would you like to have some mullet? He said, Are they clean? Hey, wait a minute now. I'm giving it to you. Clean them yourself. You know what I mean? And uh, now that ain't the end of that story. He lived in that house for about a year and sold it and left town. Sold the house and left town. I find out something, and I know this is true. You cannot change a person by giving them everything. You cannot change a person by changing their environment. The only way that you can change a person is by the gospel and getting them saved and then teaching them. Teaching them the Word of God. Teaching them how to live. Teaching them what the Bible said. I said to this young lady that I was talking about... Uh, that said I got saved in jail and I, and I got to, uh, she said would y'all church let me come to church with y'all because I've been in jail I said you're welcome to come and I want you there more than I want you anywhere else you know why praise God she's saved but that ain't the end of it she needs teaching she needs teaching of the word of God now would it be easy to say no we don't need no jail birds in that that leave out by half of us but uh, uh, we would <laughs> we don't need them in the, in the church, amen. No, we only invite every human being that we can to come to church and get saved, and then teach them the word of God. Don't be in a haste to down somebody. Be careful what you say to people. Don't get in a quarrel in about petty things of the Bible with people that people don't understand. You know what I've learned listening to some people. They come, they call me all the time, now, preacher, I can help you. And when they tell me that, I know I'm in trouble. Every time. I've never had one yet to call me and say, preacher, now, I can help you when it comes to your teaching in the Word of God and so on. You're not doing it correct, and I can help you with it. I say, okay, what you got to say? And I listen to it, and they show their stupidity. They literally show their stupidity with all their learning they think. And the truth of the matter, the gospel is simple. The word of God is simple. And we're to teach people the simplicity of the gospel, living the Christian life. Now let me tell you something. If you learn to live the Christian life, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. That means then if a homeless person comes in, we help them. The Bible, James plainly tells, if you say you love them, that's one thing, but you feed them first. Amen? And you teach them then. And the Bible says after you're saved, then you can teach that person. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Get you a job. Uh, then the Bible teaches you how to treat your wife, how to teach your children, how to do, live the Christian life, period. And a Christian life is better than an unsaved life. I don't care who they are. If it's the rich, if it's the poor, I don't care who they are. If they're unsaved, they're not as a good. They don't have as good a life as the poorest Christian on the face of God's earth. 
And what we got to do is not get them reformed in the big homes and, and take half of the wealth money and give it to the poor and all that kind of stuff. That's not the answer. The answer is getting them saved by God's grace and then teaching them the Word of God. And the way you do it, James said, be careful what you do. In verse 19, My beloved brother, brethren, let every man be swift to hear. That means hurry up and get under the preaching or the teaching of the Word of God any way you can. Then verse 19 said, slow to speak. Don't speak out and show you ignorance. Just be quiet. I told you, Brother Rudolph was in... And the car with me, I was taking me to preach in a place one day. And uh, I said, he'd, he'd come in my office and he said, I'm a vegetarian and, you know, he didn't eat meat and so on. And I said, uh, Brother Rolf, I think I got something for you here. Uh, what, what? How come if you're a vegetarian that God sent down the sheet to Peter and said, uh, Peter said, unclean, Lord, unclean. All manner of meats and things. And, and uh, he Brother Rolf said, Now, brother, a little knowledge is dangerous. He said, If you'll notice, God took the sheet up. He never eat one thing off of that sheet. I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud, but I said, You've got to learn to shut up. You know, when you're in the presence of somebody that knows the Word of God, you need to just be quiet and listen to what they have to say. They can teach you something. Amen? And so we're not to speak out in a hurry. Then it says slow to wrath. Don't get mad about everything in the world. Now all of this is done for one thing. And James is saying this is all for one thing. To get the word of truth out. To get the word of God out. Any way you can. Get it to people because that's what changes a person. That's what makes a person right. Then notice uh, verse 21. Verse 21. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own souls, selves. Now, that's a pure heart. If the word of truth is to be save a simple, uh, single soul, it must be received by a humble heart and spirit. And this involves the laying apart of all filthiness and malice and impurity. In verse 21, hasty and passionate speech is just a foul overflow of the deep, uh, depravity of the heart. And so you got to be careful. If we would present the overflow, we must cleanse out the dark pools of corruption ourselves. Now, if a person will put away the filthiness of the heart by a gracious process of earnest renunciation of that filthiness, with no longer soil the tongue and spoil the temper. James chapter 4. Turn over a little bit. James chapter 4. Now look at verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. <coughs> I, I was studying that verse 7 several years ago, and I, I did a, a lot of study on the resisting the devil. Just what does that mean, resist the devil? It means that when the devil comes around to tempt you to do something, to say something speedily, to do something bad, tell him to go home. Don't have nothing to do with it. Tell him to just leave you alone. Plead the blood of Christ against him. You can't fight the devil and win. 
He's greater than you are. Amen? But the Bible says greater is He that is in me than He is in the world, talking about the devil. So I have something greater in me than the devil himself. And so if I'm going to do anything, i got to ask the Holy Spirit, you take care of the devil. Amen? I'm not going to be around him. And I'm not going to be around the devil's crowd, and I'm not going to be tempted by the devil's crowd to do something wrong. How you do that? Resist. Stay away from it. It's just that simple. Why? Because I want to be used of God that I might have an influence on somebody for their soul that I might change their life. You know, the, the greatest thing that a human being can do is see somebody's life that you had part in some way or another in changing their life. Every time I think about that, I, ch- I think of my coach, Coach Coleman, in Suffer Springs football team. He was like a daddy to me as I played football. And he used to talk, he, he knew, I, you know, I was from West Florida up and way back in the woods, and he called me country. I always said, uh, I'm hungry. And he said, spell that. And I said, H-U-N-G-R-Y. He said, no, the way you're saying it, H-O-N-G-R-Y. And he used to talk to me about me being country. And I never will forget, he said, take the position on the line. Now show him how to hit him. He said, take your arm and show you how to hit a guy across the line from you and knocked him down. And I, I knocked the guy flat of his back with my arm. And he said, that's the way you're supposed to do it. He, he was always kind to me. And he showed me he cared for me. And I respected him even right on up to things that he taught me, not even meaning to teach me, but the way he treated me, I knew he cared for me. And what I'm trying to say is when when you read the principles of having an influence on somebody else's life, this little boy used to ride our Sunday school bus. I bought an old big old city transit, started driving a Sunday school bus. I had 85 kids on that bus, and what a ride. And I never will forget it. It was a mess. They swinging from the bars and everything else. But I got them to church, and I never will forget it. This one little old boy, and I can't remember his name. Wait, I almost said it. Anyhow, that little old boy was meaner than a snake. I mean, I had a time with him on that bus. Every time I turned around, I just had to grab him, stop the bus, and grab him by the nap of the neck, sit him down, and you behave yourself. And back and forth, I'd get him every Sunday, though. He'd be ready, and I'd bring him to Sunday. So later on in life, me and my wife went to eat at a restaurant. And he was working in the kitchen. And he'd come out, and he said, Hey, preacher! And he come over and sat down to us, and he said, I got a good job now, and I'm working, and got a family, and told me... I had some part in changing his whole life because he was living in a terrible situation. You think about that for just a minute. That's one of the greatest privileges that a man can have is to influence somebody else's life for the goodness of the Lord and the world. And that's what James is talking about. And that we're to take the gospel truth and take it into the world, that that's the key to changing people's lives. Not putting them in a different environment, not giving them everything in the world free. I believe this, the worst thing that you can do for a child as a parent is give them everything. If you don't make them earn it, they will not appreciate it. 
I have dealt with it as a pastor so many times in people's families that their moms and dad gives them anything they want all the time and they turn out to be just mean little kids. And, and then I have seen the parents that gave their children something to do to earn what they got, where it's washing the dishes, making up the bed, taking out the garbage, mowing the yard, doing something to earn what you get. You know what that's doing? That's teaching responsibility. And we're to do that and to help people, influence people for Christ's sake. Amen? Glad I'm saved tonight, aren't you? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, bless your people tonight. Lord, it's such a privilege just to handle our word and read it and be blessed of you from on high. Go with us on our way home, watch over and keep us now. In Jesus' name we pray.